What's up, guys? Welcome to the last episode of season two. Pastor, can you believe that we're here? Yeah, it's taken us a long time. We still haven't made it to Matthew yet, but we are making our way closer and closer. Yeah, I'm it. confident that we're going to get there in yes, season three. Yes. So last episode, <laughs> we left off with oh, a cliffhanger. Mm. We were talking about Q, Quail, yeah. the source. Yeah. Uh, and I asked you the question, does this document that could have existed take anything away from the Bible being the inspired word of God? Um, I want to understand the question, okay? So, okay. So, so explain to me what you mean by okay, so does if, it take away, does it le- yeah, yeah, yeah. cheapen the text, or what do you what do you? So asking? for me, I've, I've lived my entire life knowing that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means, but I've just accepted it as truth. So now I'm hearing for the first time that there is this document that exists, could have existed. Are we saying it existed or it could have existed? Uh, we don't know for sure. Okay. So the, it could have existed. It's a way to reverse engineer how we got the Gospels okay, so, after the fact. So we're saying this document could have been there and people could have pulled what stories they needed to make what points and what themes. Does that document existing take away from every word we read being the inspired word of God exactly where it need to be. No. Okay. Candy says no. All right, let's move on. <laughs> no, I, I think, I, I don't think, okay, let's just, let's just say right out the gate, Q or Quell source. We talked about mm-hmm. that last episode there. We don't know for sure if this document exists. You may totally disagree with me as Two of the three in here do. I'm not disagreeing with you, Pastor. Listen, I'm not. I am not disagreeing yeah. with you. They were questioning me. I'm not out disagreeing the door last either. Week when we were talking about it. I'm not disagreeing either. I'm just saying I've I've never heard of this before. Okay. And so I'm thinking through what it would mean. Like, does right. it really exist and that sort of thing? Um, and it could. It could. It's like a historical document. I mean, we've got historical documents. Yeah all over for different things. So it's very possible, but it's not scripture, no matter what it is. Right. Scripture is divinely inspired that we have in our hands in the Holy Bible. That is God's word. So anything outside of that is just a document, a manuscript, whatever. Well, I think it the is question not we're talking about, scripture. yeah, the question we're asking is a question of transmission, okay? How we, how the, authors got or received the divinely inspired word of God, the transmission of the text from them to us, right? Mm -hmm. Now, some of us, like the King James only folks, um, no offense to those who are listening, but the King James only folks believe that the King James version of the Bible came down from angels in heaven. That's not correct. Well, it depends on who you ask. Some of them think it was written by angels, you know I mean? that's Which I always think is comical that King James I was actually... A pagan king, which I think is just comical that his name is on the translation of a Bible for 500 plus years now. And the man did not even, or or 400 plus years, and the man was a pagan king. The only reason he wanted to uh, translate the Bible, so that he could put his name on it. Wow. But anyway, that's Mm. another sermon for another day. But the reality is... Okay, the, the, the question people are asking is, mm-hmm. how did four different guys, let's just use the gospel writers, okay, um, writing at different periods of time, two of whom did not even walk with Jesus personally mm-hmm. or, 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 or disciples of Jesus. Mark, John Mark could have been, uh, I think he was probably there, not for all the totality of Jesus' ministry, but he was there. 
But Luke definitely wasn't there. So how do guys who some weren't there through the whole ministry write from different time periods in different places about about different seasons of Jesus's life, and they all match up perfectly. And the stories, particularly mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are identical to one another. And we would say, well, it's God's divine inspiration. Yes, yes, we believe that. Sure. But it's not like the Book of Mormon, where they believe that Joseph Smith received from the angel Moroni this golden tablet mm-hmm. from the sky that just fell from the sky. Right. That's not how we got the Bible. Okay. That's kind of weird if you think about. It. Which is funny. I've always just a push. Although back. the Ten Commandments sound a little bit like that. Yeah. Well. I, well, Moses wrote them though. See again the difference between the tablets of Moroni mm-hmm. and, and and Joseph Smith and Moses was. I thought it was the finger of God that wrote them. Yeah, the finger of God. But I'm saying, the, yeah, finger of God. But God gave them to you. Yeah, that's good. But Moses came down with them. Thank you for the correction. Moses came <laughs> down with them, and people saw these tablets. Okay. I always think it's comical that Joseph Smith, just 150 years ago, supposedly received these ancient texts, which are the foundational documents for Mormonism, and yet we cannot find these tablets. Just 150 years ago. Dude, we can that's find crazy. Right. We found the Dead Sea Scrolls from the 2,000 years ago. Right. That's you like know? the mic drop for the Lord. Yeah, we found the Constitution in somebody's basement on the back mm-hmm. of a picture. I mean, we could find everything, and yet we cannot find these. It makes me a little suspicious of that. Well, mm. and this is kind of what this makes me think of, if you think about it in our time today. So we're, we write, you know, that sort of thing. So as a writer or as someone who wants to put something together and put something out to the public or whatever, Anytime I learn a lesson or I have a thought, I immediately take my phone, I go to the notes section on my phone, and I record those things down. And I've done this for years and years, right? And I have all of these lists, and then anytime I say, okay, well, I want to write an article on abiding, or I want to write an article on tithing, whatever, I go and search for it in my notes on my phone. And then all of a sudden, I have a slew of things that I've recorded over the years. That's kind of what Q makes me think about. Like there, there somehow there were these accounts that took place that these men knew about. They recorded them in some form or fashion. You know what I'm saying? At whatever was relevant to them at that time. And when they were ready to sit down and write or put something together, they were able to possibly go back to these things that had been recorded or that they had seen or taken part of. Is yeah. that kind of yeah. basically what you're, what the point and, and how, if you think about it, Q could have really existed. Uh, yeah. We just, we may not be able to sit and look at it today, but in some form or fashion in that similar way that we still record things today and yeah. then can go back and access or pull from it. Could have been. Yeah, inspiration. Uh, yeah, it, uh, okay, let's take a sermon writing. Okay, so writing a sermon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I would take a text, but then I would do research through history right. and yeah. customs and culture, and I would, I would quote, interview sources if as, as if I was there. That doesn't lessen the inspiration of right. the message or, or, the, right. or the delivery or the transmission of the message because I've interviewed other sources or consulted with other people to make right. sure my textual preaching was correct. But, but again, the, the gospel writers on an infinitely more divine level. I think the, the, the next question becomes, to answer your question, no, I don't think it lessens the mm-hmm. inspiration of the word of God. I think the next question becomes, how do we know, Andrew, mm-hmm. that these 29 books of the, of the New Testament 
okay, or actually the inspired word of God? That's a great question. That's the question, right, right. that everybody wants to know. How, how do we know that the 66 books of the Bible are the de in, in divine word of God? Okay, right? so if somebody's listening to this for the first time, where did we even get the books of the Bible? Like, how did they decide what goes this there? and not the book of Enoch? Mm, that's a good question. Um, what do you think? I think I asked you the question. Oh, gosh. Yes. Uh, Candy, Candy, what do you, what do you think? think? I mean, it's the, the whole process of the canonization, correct? Mm, yeah. I said 39. I mean, I said 29, but 27 books. I'm thinking that number's not right. 27 new, 39 old, sorry. 66 total. total. No, 66 total, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how do we know the Gospel of Thomas is not... Um, in the, why not? Why is the Gospel of Thomas not in the canon? Or the Gospel of Judas, which was a popular book found a couple of years ago, I remember, on the History Channel. Or the Apocrypha books, right? How do we know the books accepted by Catholicism and Orthodox Eastern religion, the Eastern Orthodox Church? Okay, so it comes down to... Wasn't there like a meeting? Uh, <laughs> simply put, there was a meeting. In fact, yeah. <laughs> there were actually a lot of meetings, okay? Yeah. Actually a lot of meetings. Um, do you know what those meetings were called? Give me a hint. Um, Cause I it know, starts I know with it. a C. Oh, geez. A C? Not canon. Ooh, not canon. No, but they had a meeting for the canon. Okay. In the city? Uh, it was called a council. Okay. Remember the councils? Like council the council of, council of Trent was one of them, right? Yes. Come on. That Good wasn't job. the Council of Trent, but there were different ones like the Council of Trent. Okay, Andrew, have you ever heard of these councils before? I uh, just did. Okay, good. You're learning on the fly. Okay, good. So basically, early church fathers, okay, so put yourself back. Let me take you back 2,000 years. Jesus just dies. And uh, shortly after, people are like, hey, we're going to need to write this stuff down. Now, the, the first question becomes, why do they wait so long to, to write down mm -hmm. in a book what Jesus live before them because the first the earliest uh conservative scholars would place the earliest writing of the gospels in the mid 50s the earliest writing okay. some of them would say it's probably in the 60s mm -hmm. mid 60s okay some would put the earliest one in the 70s if that's the case jesus dies when do you remember what year 30 a.d a.d okay He's probably born 4 B.C. And the reason this is going to mess some people up, but Jesus was born, we'll get into this when we get into the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus was born around 5 or 4 B.C. And the reason that has to take place is one reason. Herod the Great is still alive yeah. when, when he is visited and right. you know, asked by the Magi. Okay. okay, so he has to be alive. He dies, according to historical record, 4 B.C. Mm. So you have, and then you have Quirinius giving the census around the same time. So both of those historical factual events happen mm -hmm. for us to, now, how do we get Jesus being 33, dying on 30 AD? You don't count zero. Right. So it's one to one, basically. So, so that's how you get 33 right. and 30. Okay. So 30 AD, Jesus dies. The first gospel, let's just round it up, starts to be transmitted or written in 60 AD. So okay. 30 years? 30 years later. And so the pushback from secular um, theologians or secular um, the secular world would be, that's way too long to copy something. 
Andrew, I can't even remember what I did three months ago, much right. less 30 years ago, with perfect accuracy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So the pushback is that there's no way these writings could be accurate. Well, the, well, the pushback I would have is you have to understand that's a different day and age mm -hmm. where these people had a file cabinet mind right. to log perfectly with memory banks that mm -hmm. could memorize some of them, not only the entire Torah, which many of them had, but some could memorize the entire Old Testament. Right. In the book, The Forgotten Jesus, I quote, um, which is an interesting find, I quote, I have it here, see if I have the actual page, but I quote what they called pinprick rabbis. Hmm. Have you heard of this before, Andrew? Uh, I have. The pinprick, yeah, we talked about this. The pinprick rabbis were actually people, you ready for this, who knew the Babylonian Talmud, which the Babylonian Talmud, you want to take a guess how many pages the Babylonian Talmud is? Anybody I cannot even imagine. Candy? No idea. You want to take a, a guess at that? A thousand. Uh, 2,711 double-sided pages. Wow. The Babylonian Talmud contains all of the sayings outside of Jerusalem. Um, when they were in Babylon, came back. Uh, it's basically the sayings, the writings, the commentary of the Old Testament scriptures. 2,711 pages. You ready for this? The, the pinprick rabbis could literally, they would take a pin, put it inside of this enormous work, Right. And wherever the pin was, pinprick into the book page, think yeah. of that. They would open that page and read the first line, and these rabbis, with perfect clarity, could recite whatever was next wow. from memory. Mm. You look it up. This is, there, there are articles about that. I didn't make this up. Okay, so if that you're probably saying, well, that's crazy. How is that possible? When you give your life to something, the capacity of our minds is really untapped, and many of us use... You know, very little of it, but these right. guys decided to give their, why would they not? This is the word of God. Why would they not? This is the sayings of, of God. So hmm. basically, basically they gave their life to it. So 30, 40 years is not mm -hmm. a long time yeah. for them. However, this is where Q comes in. Well, if it, well, obviously, how did they know? Well, someone was writing down these sayings that right. were accepted by everyone. And so everybody had access to this research book. Okay. So the question becomes, what were the requirements that they use to decide these books are in, these 27 are in, and the rest are out, okay? Mm -hmm. And they came together in certain councils, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, one of the councils that was important uh, was the Council of Rome in 382 AD. Okay. Um, as Candy said, the Council of Trent was the one in the wake of the Reformation mm -hmm. to refute a man named Martin Luther, Martin Luther, mm -hmm. they were actually, one of the big things is they were actually coming at Luther and the Reformation right. that was happening. Okay, so the first thing is this. The, canon, the, the, the council comes together, which you have to understand, at that time, these were respected men of God who were leading the church. They were trying to decide. You got to understand, they didn't have a Bible. Bible is just the collection of the books right. in one. They had these writings and letters that people had kept. The, hey, we heard this church at Philippi has a letter. Okay, that's right. important. We heard this church at Gal Galatia has a letter. Yeah, that's probably, we need to look at that. And so they had all these letters, all these epistles and these writings. They come together and they say, we need some kind of uh, source or um qualifications to enter, okay? The three big ones I want you to see. These are the three big ones. And when okay. you understand these three, you can defend your faith and say, okay, these, these are why. Okay, number one is this. It had to be what they called antiquity. 
Okay. What's that mean? Antiquity. It had to be of antiquity. Antiquity means it's of the first century. Okay. So it had to be from the first century period. Any, they felt like, even them back then with their brain capacity, they felt like anything beyond the first century was too far and it risked um, distilling down the truth and error or heresy coming in. So they basically said, if this work was written after the first century, then it was not accepted. Okay. So then the question becomes, what books were written after the first century? Anybody want to take a guess? What are the dates of the first century? First, so first century, just remember, is zero to one hundred years. That's the first century. And so okay. the second century would be 200 or 100 to 200. Okay. 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 You want to take a guess, uh, Andrew? Uh, I mean, let's go Book of Thomas. Ooh, Book that. of Thomas. That is a good guess, Andrew. Was that, that right, though? A, that was not right. Oh, that, that was man. a great guess, though. No, that was a good guess because a lot of people wouldn't have got that one. Candy, want to take, uh, want to take a What am I guessing at? Books written after the first century. Okay? Books written after the first century. The Apocrypha. Ooh, no, that was written between before the first century. That's a good guess, though. That was written before the first century. Okay? Uh, one big one I mentioned earlier is the Ooh. gospel. Look, Andrew, trying to look it up on the fly. Gospel the, of Mary. Gospel of Mary would be one. Mm. Gospel of Peter, I think, would be another. Gospel of Peter. Is gospel of Judas. Jude. Okay, there we go. That's the one I want to land there on. There we go. The gospel. Chat GPT over here. Oh, chat GPT <laughs> for the rescue. Okay, so, the rescue. Looking things gospel up. of Judas? Yes. Which Judas? Well, that's the question. Okay. You're kidding me. Well, they... Oh, listen, it's a chat GPT. The Gospel of Judas, a controversial text yeah. that presents a different perspective on the figure of Judas Iscariot. No. Yeah, so basically, that one got thrown out for two reasons, but... Um, you think? Okay, yeah. Uh, one is antiquity. So the first thing is that book was written after the first century. So naturally, they threw it out. But the second problem with that book is, as we know, according to the gospel records of the other books... He's died. Judas is long gone, mm -hmm. which, which leads into our second problem or our second qualification. Mm -hmm. Not only does it have to be antiquity, it has to be number two, apostolic. So that's that means like a first-hand account? <clears throat> yeah, first-hand account. What does it mean to be an apostle? Uh, sent out. Okay, that's... Someone the, yes. who was with Jesus? That is, the, that is the verb form of apostle. Andrew, that's good. It means to be sent. So if I apostle you mm -hmm. or give you an apostolic... If you're like, Andrew, go get my coffee, <laughs> I'm your apostle... Apostle to the, co to the to co legacy coffee. That's right. No, that's not. <laughs> it actually means sent out with a commissioned with a message. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. So he uh, sent them out, which is an interesting idea to think about. The apostles were apostled out in the sense. I don't know if you can use it that way, but so it means to be sent out, but watch this. It also means in the Bible, particularly, to actually see Jesus face to face. Okay. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, I am, um, you can't say you're an apostle of Andrew Bolton just by listening to the podcast, mm. technically. Right. You would actually have to say, I have met Andrew Bolton, spent time with Andrew Bolton, and I'm a part of Long Hollow. Because you see him face to face, right? Mm -hmm. So Judas meets the requirement of apostle, which is probably why they wrote it under a pseudonym. But the problem is you have two problems. One is, it's written in the second century. And two is Judas is long gone by then. Mm -hmm. So they reject that. Now, hmm. this is why when people say, what about these gospels? You have an easy answer, okay? Now, here's the second one. What about the apostolic problem? What about the epistle of Barnabas? 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have the epistle of Barnabas, which is another one that was floating around then. What is the problem with Barnabas? It was written after the first century. No, not necessarily. <laughs> the epistle of Barnabas. Was Barnabas a disciple of Jesus? So he, he didn't spend time with Jesus. No, he didn't spend time no. with Jesus. So naturally he's thrown out. Okay. okay. This is how you have a lot of these books that seem like they have some good insight. Mm-hmm. So they had, they had that. Now the third one, and this is a, a, this is a big one, consistency. Okay. So you have antiquity, you have apostolic, and consistency. It has to be consistent with the whole counsel of Scripture. Right. Okay? So you can have parts right, although most, albeit most of it right, and some part wrong. For example, the Gospel of Thomas. Okay. In the Gospel of Thomas, if I recall, there is a reference, and most of the Gospel of Thomas is pretty similar to one of the synoptic Gospels, by the way. Mm. But the Gospel of Thomas actually has this section toward the end where Peter asked Jesus, can a woman enter the kingdom of heaven? Which is an interesting question. Can a woman enter the kingdom of heaven? To which Jesus replies, a woman can enter the kingdom of heaven if she first becomes a man, and as a man, she can enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, how does that sound what? to you? That yeah. sounds wild. Yeah. Can a woman enter the kingdom that of heaven? That sounds like if the Bible was made today, it would be in Scripture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That would be an actual real question today. Uh, yeah. Can a woman enter the kingdom? So basically right away, even though 95% of the rest of it mm-hmm. is similar, you throw out the entire gospel. Now, so those are the three requirements that we have. Now, in addition to that, the natural question becomes, what about the apocrypha? Okay. So those who don't know, what is the apocrypha? Andrew, you want to take a guess? Uh, that is part of the Catholic Bible. Okay, part of the Catholic Bible. Isn't it like seven books of the, is it seven? Um, there are seven, yes, there are seven in the Catholic Bible, and the Eastern Orthodox Church, I think, expanded it to 13 more. So there's a debate on, on how many there. Um, but the question becomes, why don't we have those books in our modern today Bible? Anybody want to take a guess at that? Well, because I used to hear this question. Is it? Is it one of yeah, the three reasons? I just want to check myself on that. But it says clearly, every woman who makes herself a male will enter the kingdom what? of hell. Yeah, I just had to check that. It seems so odd to even hear that. But listen, those who are listening, the Gospel of Thomas years ago made it made its rounds. Like, oh, we needed to include this. And, and listen, that is a ploy of Satan, just to cause you to question the accuracy infallibility, and inerrancy of the Bible. Let me explain those words. It's interesting that they called him the Doubting Thomas, and his gospel would have caused you to doubt. (gasps) Whoa, that's strong. That's a mic job. That may be the best thing you said all season. Listen, I would drop this mic if it wasn't on a stand. (laughs) But I literally cannot drop it. Please, keep that mic fixed. Yeah. That was awesome. No, but but the thing is, yeah, let me explain these terms real quick. When you hear these terms, the Bible is... um, the Bible is... Um, inerrant? Inerrant. That's the word I was, like. was going to say, inaccurate. No, it's not inaccurate. The Bible is inerrant, meaning it doesn't contain errors. Now, I, I get it. When you read the Bible, it seems like there are apparent contradictions at times. It seems like there are paradoxes at times. It seems like on one hand and the other hand, they don't fit. However, upon careful investigation, you realize there's normally, in most cases with this, it's normally a cultural thing you don't mm-hmm. understand. There's a barrier, language barrier. There's a custom issue. And and so there are no errors in the Bible. The Bible yeah. is not going to contradict. It's not going to contain errors. Number Again, two. Again, that's us reading it from our Western thinking and perspective, where the Eastern Eastern mind wouldn't have tension between those apparent 
contradictions. They have no Correct. apparent contradictions. This Sunday I was, or this Saturday I was at Saturdad's with Ryder. Rig wanted to sleep mm -hmm. in. Rig wanted to snooze, and Ryder said, no, Dad, I want to go, and he uses the same place for Saturdays the last few weeks. Waffle House, huh? Waffle House for the win. There you go. Yeah, the All-Star. Awful Waffle. The, on any and awful. Oh. It's an All-Star. <laughs> he gets chocolate chips in his. There you go. Uh, we get the All-Star breakfast. I get but, the chocolate chips in mine also. Yeah, why, why not? Uh, so we're sitting there, and the topic of conversation was predestination okay. for my 12-year-old son. Because I was talking about hell and about the afterlife. And he, he said, Dad, it's just so complicated. I just don't get it. I just can't understand it. And I said, well, son, you're thinking on one hand. For you, you're trying to make sense of one hand and the other. And basically, basically what we were talking about is, did God choose you or did you choose mm -hmm. God? Right. And I kept trying to tell him the answer is both. Mm -hmm. Right. The script. Why? Why? But that, that doesn't make any sense. I said, I know, son. But that's what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. The scripture has no problem holding apparent tensions together in balance. Why do we? Okay. Why do we? Did God choose you? Predestination. Yes. Did I choose God? Yes. Free will. Mm -hmm. Yes. To both. Okay. So the first one is it's inerrant. Number two, it's infallible. You know what that means? That means it will not. You won't read the Bible and wind up following a false god. Mm -hmm. You won't read the Bible and end up being a Mormon. You won't read the Bible and end up following Islam, Allah's God. You're not going to read the Bible and get off on the wrong path. It's right. not going to lead you off. Number three is it's sufficient. These are key words when you understand the Bible. Sufficient, meaning it's all you need. Mm-hmm. You don't need the watchtower from the Jehovah's Witness movement. Right. You don't need the the um, the Book of Mormon. You don't need the um, Quran. Quran. You don't need those books to find your way to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what those terms mean. Now, the question becomes, why the Apocrypha uh, is not accepted? Why is the Apocrypha not accepted as canonical scriptures in our present-day Bible? Now, here's a little sidebar. The Apocrypha from the 1611 translation and printing of the Bible. Uh, I, I don't even go back, even further than that. You go all the way back to the bishops, you go back to the Coverdale, the Geneva Bible. Every single Bible printed from the beginning until the 1930s, 40s, every single Bible printed included the Apocrypha. Did you know that? I didn't no. know that. Every Bible printed. Till the every, 1930s? To the 1930s. Every Bible printed. It wasn't until, and this is a long discussion, it wasn't until the minority text was found compared to the majority text, you may have heard textus receptus, minority, majority text, textus receptus, that they actually realized, okay, we're going to print these Bibles now without the Apocrypha. Now, the Apocrypha, even though it was included, was not accepted by Protestants as scripture. It was just there for history and edification, not there for inspiration and, um, and, and leading to so the they Lord. weren't preaching out of the Apocrypha? No, 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 no. But like the first, second, third, fourth, Maccabees, which mm -hmm. I've read, is, is helpful. It's really good right. uh, in there for history. Now, here's the question. I was posed this question in South Louisiana. I was a new pastor. I was uh, in a predominantly Catholic community. I was raised Catholic, didn't read the Bible much, wasn't encouraged to read the Bible much. Um, but if you realize the Apocrypha for the Roman Catholic Church, this is where praying... For to the saints is found. This is where um, this is where the uh, purgatory doctrine is really fortified in the apocrypha. This mm. is where um, 
you make offerings and relics and indulgences. A lot of that's found in the Apocrypha. So they want to kind of preserve that, okay? So I was at the church one Sunday, and uh, Kelly uh, came up to me, this lady in her church, and she said, my mom is Catholic. They watch, they listen every week. Back then we had a radio ministry. They listen every week, and uh, she thinks you are missing out on books in your Bible, and she has a gift for you. And she handed me this booklet that was a Catholic apologetic defense of the Apocrypha of why we as Protestants were wrong and they're right. And we are actually ministering and preaching handicapped Mm. because we're missing seven to 13 of the books of the Apocrypha. And basically she said to me, mom says you're wrong and and the Catholics are right. And she wants to know your answer. So there are seven books of the Apocrypha that are included in the Catholic Bible today. Yes. Seven of the 13. Yes. Yes. And most of their religion is based on those seven books? Not not most of the religion. I would say this is a long, long answer, but I would say in a simplistic form, this is from someone who was raised Catholic. And again, I'm not here offending any Catholics or not. I would say Catholicism, this is a simple way to think of it, is repackaged Judaism. What do you mean? Think of everything in the Catholic Church. Judaism had priests. Catholic Church has priests. Right. Judaism made sacrifices daily. Catholic Church makes sacrifices with communion. The mm-hmm. Eucharist, believe it or not, is a sacrifice that the priest makes. I don't know if you know this. When they do the water into wine, the transubstantiation, it's not just, you know, hey, do this in memory of me like we do. They're actually sacrificing Jesus again. Mm. On the platform, you ready for this? You know what the platform is that they do that on? You know what it's called? What's it called? The altar. Mm, it's yeah. called the altar. They, so basically, they, they do. They process into the worship center. Mm-hmm. They 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 are they're waving something in their hand. This little container of what incense, incense. right? Just like wow. the, the ancient tabernacle. I mean, it's so many things. You got to go through a mediator to get to God, just like the Old Testament had to go through a priest to get to God. You got to go have your, I mean, I go go on and on and on. It's basically repackaged Judaism, which Judaism was in a sense legalistic. You had Mm -hmm. to follow all these rules. You had to abide by the law, Catholicism. You have to have the seven sacraments. You start with baptism and with last rites. And if you don't, if you're not a part of the quote, one true church Catholicism or the one true religion, Judaism, you're not going to go to heaven. So you right. see the similarities here. But basically, the doctrine they have, some of the doctrines in the Apocrypha. Now, here's the deal with the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha was, uh, so the question I asked is, okay, am I missing something here? And so I started to study first century, second century, third century guys, and I found that guys were on both sides of the fence. Eusebius, Jerome, Augustine, ancient church fathers were on both sides of the fence. Some Polycarp, some of them said, no, the Apocrypha is accepted. Some says it wasn't. Some said it was accepted and parts weren't. Okay, so I couldn't find a, a, an answer there. Here's what I landed on. You ready for this? Ready. Here's the answer. Short answer and we're done. Here it is. I went back to the actual authors who wrote down the books. Okay. And I realized that, no offense, these Roman Catholic priests mm-hmm. who were Hellenistically influenced by okay. Romanism and Greek culture were trying to look at an ancient Jewish book written by Jewish men in a Jewish mm-hmm. context, knowing Jewish geography about the Jewish nation chosen by God called Israel. 
And if I wanted to know what books were accepted, I needed to ask them what they thought were the accepted books of the Bible. What books did they say these were written by the hand of God? Mm-hmm. And so it, took, it didn't take a long study to realize that when you look at the Jewish, quote, Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Bible, that's what they call it, the Hebrew right. Bible, the Old Testament, we call it. Guess how many books they have in the Old Testament? You ready for this? I'm ready. Well, I'm asking you. Oh, you asked if I How many books do they have in the Old Testament? Uh, are you saying it's more or less books? Well, I'm going to ask you. That's a the good same. question. Uh, well, technically, no. Technically, there are only 24 books of the Hebrew Bible. How many do we have? Of the Old Testament? Yes. 39. 39. So then it becomes, do we have more mm-hmm. books than them? No, the answer is, it's the exact same books. We just expand the books when they simplify them. For example, 1st, 2nd Kings, one book. 1st, mm-hmm. 2nd Samuel, one, one book. 1st, 2nd Chronicles. 1st, 2nd Chronicles, one, one book. book. Um, they actually have... Um, Ezra and Nehemiah together. Mm. They actually have uh, Judges, Samuel, Kings, oh, wow. all those together. Okay, so oh, it's all, the, the 12 are actually together, the prophets together. So it's all one book, obviously different, different sections, but you, you see that we have the exact same, no, different order, the Hebrew Bible's in a different order, but basically the Bible we have in our hand, the Protestant Bible, 66 books, take out the 27 new. The 39 books of our modern Bible are the exact same books of the Hebrew Bible that Jesus would have known, Mm. quoted, and Mm. spoken from. And by the way, the only book I think Jesus quotes that really messes people up, or no, I don't think so. No, let me take it back. I don't think Jesus, who had access to all of these Apocrypha books, you ready for this? He did not quote one of them. Wow. Not one of them. He had access to them. Sure. So even Jesus himself quoted Isaiah. He quoted the Psalms. He quoted Mm -hmm. the Torah. He quoted Deuteronomy. He quoted Genesis. He could have quoted any of those books. Even Jesus himself does not make reference or or give a nod to any of the apocryphal books. So at the end of the day, I told this lady, tell your mom with Mm -hmm. a lot of love and respect that I'm going to go with the people who actually wrote the books, translated the books, transmitted the books down, and I'm going to stick with the Hebrew Bible written by the Jews to the Jews about a Jewish culture, about a Jewish Messiah uh, coming to save the world. And her mom said? Her mom, never heard her, her mom was not very happy with that, yeah. as you can imagine. But you know what I actually did? I actually wrote, believe it or not, for fun, this is me back in the day, I actually wrote a 12-page, I still got it, mm-hmm. single-spaced paper in rebuttal yeah. To her. I think I gave her the paper, and that was the last I heard of it. But anyway, <laughs> she used to come for Mother's Day. She never came again. Yeah, but oh, my goodness. Anyway, that's what I did. But 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 it's good to know that yeah. the Bible— here, Here's all this to say. The Bible you have in your hand— Now, we didn't even get to the Dead Sea Scrolls mm-hmm. and how the greatest findings of the 1948s and 50— The mm-hmm. greatest finding of our day, of our, of our time, confirmed that the Bible we have in our hand is completely accurate— Amen. to the scriptures found 2,000 years ago, mm. 100 B.C., that the Old Testament you have today and the Old Testament 2,000 years ago is the same. Mm. Mind-blowing wow. to think of it. That is mind-blowing. Pastor, is this it for season two? This was a long episode, but we had to get everything Ooh. in. Now, guess where we're going next? Um, I was about to ask you if you wanted to share with people what we were adding to the next season. Should we tell them or should we leave a clue? No, I think we got to tell them. Okay. I'm excited because we're actually going into the Gospel of Matthew. Now, don't get that's too excited. That's not what I was that, thinking. I was thinking that's not that what I was thinking. That is not at all what I was thinking. <laughs> no, no, no. 
We're what, gonna, what were you thinking? I'm thinking how the podcast is also going to be on YouTube. Oh, we're adding sorry, the video sorry, version. Yes. We are, yeah, tell listen, me I'm excited. That's your expertise. That, yeah. Oh, you're right. That is my expertise. Okay, so listen, we appreciate you for listening and following along to the podcast. Season three, you can still find it anywhere you are listening to the podcast. But we're actually going to give you a window into the studio. Ooh. Wow. And you're going to watch us record these things. I like that. Uh, and it's going to be wild, okay? We're not some polished, you know, no. Today Show or, or anything. We're, <laughs> oh, boy. We're, uh, we're three people sitting in the studio. We're so gonna it's going to be fun. Our hair and get dressed up. I and, know, right? Yeah. <laughs> no shorts, t shirts. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Robert can do our makeup and stuff. So, all right. <laughs> so we're excited. Season do three. We have a makeup art now. Uh, Robert Hutchison. He also takes our show notes. So, yes. uh, season three. Not only will we be in the book of Matthew, we'll also be on YouTube. Yes. We'll see you then. It's going to be exciting. Okay. Is that it? Are we done? I think so. Okay. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us for season two. I cannot believe it's done. If this content and information has been helpful, share it with a friend. You can also connect with us on social media at The Forgotten Jesus on Instagram. We would love to connect with you there. And be looking out for us on YouTube, y'all, because we're coming. We'll see you in the next season.